You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 115 and 116 of our Read Through the Bible in a Year program. Thanks for joining us today and just to talk about it. Uh, we hope this is helpful. We've heard some good feedback, and uh, if you've stuck with us this long, it's my belief that the Word of God being spoken will do nothing but help. Yeah. So it's helping me. It, yeah, 100% it's helping me. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say 100% it's helping you, Adam. Yeah. I've really uh, noticed a change in you, Matt. <laughs> I'm starting to like you. All right. I've really started appreciating your sermons more. <laughs> Thanks. I'll take that. Whether you meant it or not, I'll take it. Where are we? Oh, yeah. Our Old Testament reading for today is Joshua chapter 8 through chapter 10. Well, we're just coming off a strange and horrible defeat. Kind of ruined morale where uh, the people went up without really consulting the Lord. And they went up because Achan was hiding things devoted for destruction in Mm -hmm. the camp. Yes. So they lost to a a really a lesser opponent. Mm -hmm. God wasn't with them. And to to remind us, Joshua and everybody was really concerned about what this is going to do to what the other nations, all the other nations are thinking like, Mm -hmm. oh, we can beat them. Yeah. AI beat them. AI beat them and they're nothing. Mm -hmm. So uh, the Lord has to enter. So here we go. Chapter eight, the Lord says, don't fear and do not be dismayed. Now, and he gives them instructions and it's a really cool plan of attack. I mean, it is. God is, uh, well, it turns out God's really smart about this stuff. <laughs> and he knows uh, how to win a war. And so he sends, he basically, long story short, he breaks them up. He says, Joshua, you stay with the guys down here. You go right to the face of AI. Yeah. And essentially, uh, and then have another uh, troop or command. I'm mm-hmm. not a military guy. Kind of hiding behind the city in the woods. Mm-hmm. As they come out to meet us, they'll be all confident, thinking we're going to beat them again. We will run, lure them all out of the city, then you take the city from the rear. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happens. And so AI is all pulled out, all the men, because it's fun to win a yeah. war. Let's go. They chase them out. Then all of a sudden, they're out of their city, and they look back, and it's going up in smoke. Yeah. And they're surrounded, and AI is completely demolished. Yes. Yeah, I love it, because it's like, recreate... The first battle. Yeah. So make it look like it, it's going to be go down exactly like the first one did. Have the same amount of men, do the same retreat pattern, <laughs> and this time they'll even be more overconfident and chase you even further, and then you will just completely destroy them. So now he makes their original defeat look like I know, that's a, a strategy. Cool. I know, because now the rest of the nations are going, wait, they were just scouting yeah and they lost 36 men right but that's nothing compared to the 12,000 ai just lost yes the fact that ai is now non-existent and it's devoted to destruction and this time the people say okay we're going to actually devote things to destruction Mm -hmm. and um and i love it too joshua in this actually has a similar uh uh moment that moses had yes in the in their first in Israel's first war against uh, the people of Amalek, mm-hmm. uh, Joshua, like Moses, has to like hold his arms out to yeah. to win the battle, and so God tells Joshua, "Hold out your javelin." Joshua holds his javelin out when it's time to go back and attack. Yeah, because they're the, pretending to run. Yes, and so Joshua holds his javelin out the whole time as a sign of this belongs to the Lord, and this whole victory is God's. 
They captured it. They hurried to set it on fire because you got to destroy all things devoted to destruction. Mm-hmm. And uh, so not only was it brilliant, like a mi- brilliant military plan, mm-hmm. but it's mixed in, you know, and Joshua was there for holding up Moses's arms. He's seen all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then it sends a message to the rest of Canaan, you know, <laughs> all these nations, because now they're going, oh man. But before we get there, um, Joshua totally wipes out. Um, I guess he says there were, tw- yeah, 12,000 people mm-hmm. in all. Um, and you're right. He did not draw back his hand with which he stretched out the javelin until he had devoted all the inhabitants of AI to destruction. So that does give the idea of him holding it up. I didn't catch mm-hmm. that. That's mm-hmm. a good catch. And then uh, he also does the thing that he's supposed to do. Like, I love how they're showing you, like, even, like, these little details that he's yeah. following the Lord pretty closely in what he commanded. So mm-hmm. he hangs the king on a tree or on a pole, and uh, he takes him down at evening because the Lord had commanded, if anyone's right. hung by a tree, they're cursed, and you should not let them, uh, s- like, stay overnight, or else the land it's will pol- take on that curse. Yeah, the land is polluted. So at mm-hmm. sunset, you take down the body, because that's enough humiliation. That's mm-hmm. enough to say we conquered, for everyone to see, hanging on a tree. Mm-hmm. But then it, it's that's not what the land is about. It it's is. not about death, and we're going to leave it there for 30 days. To, it's not about fear. It's not like it's good for one day, but now it's about the Lord setting this land mm-hmm. apart. It is interesting that it was a king. Like kings were the ones yeah. who were hung up yeah. oh, on a tree. It is, isn't it? That sounds strangely familiar. Yes. Our king was hung up on a tree as well, but he rose from the dead. Yeah. And then um, they put great heaps of stones... Over the city. Yeah. And then what is brilliant, I was just thinking too about the arms being raised. It's a position of worship. Really. Mm-hmm. And so it would be easy in the middle of a great defeat to get in there and let yourself go crazy. Mm-hmm. But he's, it's almost like letting a leader hold his arms up is a constant sign to everybody like, the Lord is doing this. We praise him. So this is an act of praise and worship. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's confusing for us with the violence, but it's an act of cleansing and praise of what God is doing. And, and it's obvious because... The rest of chapter 8 is Joshua setting up, like, renewing the covenant. And doing the thing that Moses had told him to do, which was, um, when you get into the land, set the people, divide them between the two mountains. Right. Uh, the mountain of cursing, the mountain of blessing. Read the covenant, announce the curses, and announce the blessings over each other. Yeah. So they do that. They, they do that. They build an altar. They worship as Moses prescribed. Mm-hmm. They say the blessings and the curses. They read it all out. Um, they do everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have a copy of the law. They wrote on stones. So it's like reenacting the whole thing. Like every time there's a major victory, God's like, remember, this goes back to my word. So it's centered around my word. It's centered around um, the, the 10 words, the offerings. We give, our, we give ourselves, we give up these things. Mm-hmm. We announce blessings. It's total rededication of the people. Yes. And I, I like that because it's, the law is still there. Right, so like yes, they're still yeah. centered around the law. See, we like to think the law is over, and but no, everything that we believe and that we trust in is centered on God's law. God's law is good. Mm-hmm. It's like here's how you live with the God of the universe. That's the law. The unfortunate part is we can't do it, and so He writes it on our hearts um, through these practices of rededication. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Well, after every high, is there anything else you want to say about that? Nope. After it's... every high, and this is a good lesson that I can't say enough for myself uh, is once you have these experiences, you just kind of have to be aware of the world, 
the mm-hmm. the devil and the flesh. Because you, when you're on high, you have a tendency to trust yourself, to think like, we're all good. We did what we're supposed to. Let's, all right. And that's kind of what happens next with a major, one of the major cities. Yeah, so it's actually a confederation of cities. Yeah. Um, so Gibeon... Is a bunch of, is a confederation, loose confederation of like the, the towns in a region. Yeah, I think it's the Hivites. Yeah. And so they're called... The the full confederation is called the Gibeonites. And so the leaders of those towns are freaked out, terrified. They understand. They have heard of God's... uh, Somehow they've heard already that God has ordered the Israelites to wipe out every native inhabitant of Canaan. Right. Like this belongs to them. Yes. They think. And so everyone's hearts are melting. And what's strange about the, Gibe- the Gibeonite Confederation is that of all the kingdoms, mm-hmm. I mean, there's more than 30, 40, I mean, there's like 50 kingdoms. In Canaan, yeah. In Canaan. This is like the only little one that says, we don't want to fight you guys. Mm-hmm. So even the level of repentance, it doesn't matter your level of repentance. You have to at least come to an understanding like, I am not God, this God is real. Yes. I, said, I think sometimes we feel like, I have to really feel bad. I have to, do I really believe enough? No. I mean, really, it comes down to, am I scared of this mm-hmm. or not? And if you are scared, then bow, mm-hmm. and that's the gospel. And these guys did that. Now, they, they used the skills they had, which is deception. deception. They lied. They acted like they were from far away. Somehow they knew the plan, too, enough to know that right. they're not destroying saying. places far away. They're only destroying places in Canaan, mm-hmm. because that's the land that's been devoted to destruction, and God's cleansing it. And so they show up with... Dried bread. They basically pretend to be from so far away. Please have mercy. We've heard about mm-hmm. you, and and uh, I'll let you tell what happens. Yeah. So they come to Joshua. They're like, they bring uh, confusion. Yeah. They're like, um, we really we've heard about you. We want to submit to you. We want to become your servants because we recognize your God is greater than any other God. And Joshua. It's like, well, how do we know that you're not part of these, like, the natives? And they're like, well, look at all of our stuff. Like, it's all drying out. It's worn. Like, we've come from a really far way. And so Joshua's like, okay, well, let's make a covenant. And they make a covenant before God. And he doesn't ask God on this one. Right. But I just realized why. I just had a Okay. You keep going. I have have a thing for this, Let's see if it lines up. You go first. So they're like... All right. Well, let's let's make this covenant, and you guys will be like you will be the people who cut down our wood and like water, gather everything. Water carriers, basically yeah. servants, which is what Moses said. Mm-hmm. You would have peace with the place if they came out and mm-hmm. offered to be. You don't have to use violence. Yeah, it's like their choice whether to use violence against the Lord. Yeah. So they make this oath, and uh, and I'm what I'm recognizing mm-hmm. is when it comes to times of war. Joshua, at least, is really good at consulting the Lord. Right. But when it comes to times of peace, yes, he this forgets. Is, this is what I'm. This and is it's, exactly it, what it's I'm saying. Within the confidence of like, oh, this is like peace. They're finally someone's finally willing to work with us. Yeah. And add to our number. Awesome. But Let's dude, do this. And you know that's all of our experience. Yeah. When someone's sick in the hospital, you're up against the wall. It's a war. Mm-hmm. Man, praying is is easier mm-hmm. and going to church and trusting the lord i'm going to read the bible i'm going to listen to christian music oh otherwise i'm going to die but when things are going well that's when for, forbidden treaties are made yes 
And so they make this forbidden agreement. Yep. And then they travel a little further and find out, oh, these are the people from the next towns over. Yeah. And they're central to Canaan. Yes. Oh, are you kidding me? And so then they all mourn and like are totally freaked out. But then they realize like we made a sworn covenant in front of God. We cannot break a covenant using the Lord's name because that's... That's breaking the second commandment. But isn't that cool that the Lord, he's disappointed with them. He's like, man, you guys should have consulted me. Yeah. But you know how important your word is? Mm -hmm. When you use my name and you use the word of God, uh, we are bound by that. Because if we start breaking these vows, then we have nothing. Like we have the word of God. And so now we'll make, God will make the best of it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you screwed it up. And so people start murmuring Mm -hmm. against the, the leaders and, and uh, Joshua's like kind of got a little problem, you know. Mm-hmm. And I do think about we trust ourselves and we make forbidden treaties. But I started to think about what agreements have like I made to things devoted to destruction. Mm-hmm. And we've justified yes. it and we haven't consulted the Lord because we didn't know for sure. But you got to look at your life and go, you know, I've just made agreements that things are going to be bad or mm-hmm. agreements that uh, it's never going to be like that for me. I'm always going to struggle with this. And all that death stuff is devoted to destruction. It's Mm -hmm. under sin. It's under the curse. And we don't need to make agreements with that unless the Lord leads us into it to overwhelm it with his victory. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so we move into chapter 10. And we kind of see where God is still like using even their mistakes. Like, So he used AI, the defeat at AI, and turned it into like, oh, that was... Everyone else will think that was a strategy. Then he uses this mistake and turns it into increasing the fear of the surrounding kings because the rest of the land knows, oh, the Gibeonites are a great city. Like, they're a great confederation. They have amazing warriors. They're like some of the most fierce warriors among Canaan. And they bowed the knee. Right. Like, we're friends with them because they're good at fighting. Yes. And, and so we became friends with them, and now they've bowed. And they've surrendered their uh, warrior status to become the servants of this new nation. Right. Uh-oh. Oh, Joshua does put a curse on them for lying, though. He does say, like, you'll always be... Doesn't he? Uh, I have Joshua put a curse on them for lying... Um, because uh, Israel yeah, kind of loses in, in, the land, right? Nine twenty-three. Yeah, he says, "Now therefore you are cursed, and some of you shall never be anything but servants, cutters of wood and drawers of water for the house of my God." Yeah, because the 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 gift of the mm-hmm. land now has been kind of polluted because these people are still going to be on it. So yeah. this mistake has cost Israel and Joshua resources mm-hmm. and land that should have been theirs, and so God does turn it to serve them still. Yeah, but it's not as sweet. Now, this is also kind of a cool thing, though, is that curse... Yeah, oh, I know. ...brings fulfillment of the curse of Ham. Oh, not what I know. Okay, go on. Uh, You're going so a different way. the curse of Ham was basically on his son, Canaan. Yes, yes. And said that Canaan would be a servant to the children of Shem and to the children of Japheth ah. forever. And so this is like a, a fulfillment of that curse on the children of Canaan. Perfect. Is that they're going to serve... The children of Shem. Well, and I also realized this will come later in the story. Mm-hmm. But remember, King like King Saul. Yes, it's sometimes confusing because it's like, oh, he made one mistake and he was horrible. But I realized, oh wait, he did eventually attack the Gibeonites. 
Oh, yeah. And breaking the covenant that was made through Joshua. Yeah. Like, so Saul's kind of a... We'll learn more and more how Saul was way more broken. Right. Tag yeah. that. Tag it. Remember it. So uh, Joshua chapter 10, because they're such a big city, now there's another confederation of all the nations that are saying, let's mm-hmm. attack. We got to attack Gibeon. And then Gibeon... So this gives me the idea... Because in my mind, it's like, well, Israel kind of moved into this whole area, but they didn't. Mm -hmm. So Gibeon's about to be attacked by a confederation of of kings, and they cry out to Joshua, right? They say, Joshua, help us. And now everybody's like, now we got to, not only do we have to allow these people to live off the land and eat and feed them and take our resources, but now we have to defend them. Yes. But Joshua's a man of his word, and he's like, absolutely, we'll come and fight. And uh, I think he actually does... Consult the Lord on this oh, yeah. one. No, definitely. He consults the Lord. He prays. And uh, and that's all the difference in the world now. So yeah. it's like, God says, you go, the, I'll be with you. Because you have the five kings who are coming. One of the kings, this is also an interesting little yeah. historical nugget. One of the kings is the king of Jerusalem. And right. the king of Jerusalem is Adonai Zedek, which means the Lord is righteous. <laughs> and It's like Melchizedek. Which is like Mel- Melchizedek, who was the king of Jerusalem king back of peace. W- yeah. when Abraham was running around. So right. it's interesting that Melchizedek, that title has passed down through Jerusalem even to this day. But it shows you too, the people in the land had rejected yes. and become obstinate to yes. God and his people. So even though if, they still carry his name, even though they still carry it. Wow. Well, uh, that's pretty great. I know. Weird. <laughs> what I realized too, is that Joshua it's, this is not like a small task, like, oh, let's go help him out with a flat tire. This is, let's get the troops and march 17 miles uh, over 3,000 feet of uh, a raised sea level. Like, yeah. they're going up, you know. You, yeah. We've done that before. I've driven, have you ever driven, like, as you're going up and up mm-hmm. and up, it gets harder to breathe, but they're going 3,000 feet above sea level. They're tr- making this journey, like, in a day to go fight a bunch of... Uh, a bunch, like at least five kings in five kingdoms. Yeah, is what I counted. And yes. I think there was more. Uh, it's five. In this one, it's five. Yeah, it's just five. Okay. And this one is amazing. This is where like they start seeing some miraculous oh, yeah. natural stuff, like supernatural stuff that the Lord is really fighting for them. So this is where basically Joshua asks, "I need more time." Well, so he gets there. Like they have to march overnight, and so they get there. And he throws all of them into a panic, like all the armies, the five kings, he throws their armies into a panic. And then it says that uh, there were large stones, like hail. This is after the sun. No, this is before. It is? Yeah. So You're right. Large stones from heaven. Glad you're here. Drop down on this army and kill more of the five armies than the Israelites did. Right. Like crazy hailstones, which we had hail here not too long ago, yeah. and I had to slow down. I was on I four, and all of a sudden my car sounded like it was being pelted uh-huh. by rocks. I'm like, "What's going on?" And I slowed down to like 20 miles an hour and less because I'm like, "This is gonna shatter my windshield." And all, all I could do is imagine like some kind of now this Armageddon happened, movie. This happened in Egypt. Hailstones. Hailstones came, destroyed, and killed anyone that was outside. So hail happens. Destroys most of the army. Confusion happens. And they're running. And this is when Joshua says, Lord, I need more time to chase them all down and destroy them all. Right. 
And so he asks the he asks God to stop the sun. Prayer works, y'all. Yeah. Don't handle things alone. He invites the Lord into it, and the Lord's like, "Oh, I made the heavens and the earth." Mm-hmm. So he extends day. Yep. And he kills them all. Yeah. And during the time that the sun is up. I mean, it's the the oldest request in the book. I need more time. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, there's lots of ways to try and explain it. The easiest way, if you're a if you're a Christian is to just believe that the Lord yeah. God of the universe can do this. Um, funny enough, too, in the reading that goes with this, in the New Testament, you have darkness from noon mm-hmm. to three mm-hmm. while Jesus, after Jesus' death. Yeah. So again, it's like playing back to, okay, mm-hmm. if you're going to start trying to explain these things away, you're going to have to explain away what happened during Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, you're gonna, you just, and there was darkness during Egypt. Right. Like, yeah, there's a lot of things. So they, they uh, pursue, destroy the army, the five kings hide away in some cave. Yeah. And Joshua's like, all right, trap them in the cave. We're going to chase down the rest of the army, kill them all. They come back to the cave, take all the kings out. And is this where... Yes. He, he has yes. his guys. Everyone, I want you to step on the necks of these kings. Yeah. While they're still alive, you're going to... We're going to have the commanders march through, and every commander is going to put their foot on the neck of this king to declare, like, the Lord has given you this victory. And they had five kings. Yeah. So they're doing this. And then the Lord says, say this while you're stepping on their necks. Yeah. Do not be afraid or dismayed. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord will do this to all your enemies against whom you fight. So, like, <laughs> can you imagine getting our leaders of the yeah. church, putting their feet on the necks of whatever sinful thing, and with the sword of the Spirit saying... Do not be fear. Don't be dismayed. The Lord will fight for you in this. No, kill him. Kills him, hangs him, takes him down at evening, and then throws him back in the cave. And covers it up. Covers him up. So their cave of hiding becomes the cave of death for them. Right, and they're going to stay there. So there's like a ton of victory. Uh, There's a ton of victory. Even in the midst of some of the the confusion of the sin of Israel, God Mm -hmm. has got their backs. Yeah. And then I wonder too, you know, um, the temptation I'm realizing is while Joshua has these five kings, it's kind of the temptation Pilate gives Jesus. Like, you know we can work together. And this right. is what politicians do. Right. Like, let's compromise and build our power and all have our own peace. Mm-hmm. But the Lord's like, no, no, no. This You cannot negotiate with things devoted to death. Stop negotiating. Obey me. They do. And uh, and then I think Joshua will look back in his life and be like, he has so, many, so much victory going back to Egypt. Right. That... He's just like, the Lord fought for us. Absolutely. And I think we look back at our lives and think about some of the victories you've had and just go, how did I get through that? How did, how did that happen? And most of the time, it's because you prayed and God showed up. It's pretty great. And then... Uh, I think that's it, man. No, well, and then they just go on a, a quick conquest of southern Canaan. Oh, yeah, there's a lot more. But we, I mean, it's just like... They go to this town, destroy it. They go to this city, they destroy it. They kill yeah, this king, they kill this king, they kill this king. And they just take city after city after city and secure most of southern Canaan by the end of chapter 10. At one time. So thanks to this uh, attack on Gibeon, mm-hmm. it actually just kind of roused up and brought all the enemy right to them. Let's just take yeah. care of this. Let's just finish them off. Like man. all the kings that came to us, we're just now going to go to their oh, cities man. and destroy them all. I wonder how many times the Lord has prompted us to go and just face something head on. And a lot more would have been accomplished <laughs> if yeah. we had gone. Um, but they did go. They did go. Cool. And they did it. The Lord gave it to them.
let's move into our New Testament reading for today. Mm-hmm. Our New Testament reading for today is Luke chapter 22, verse 63 through chapter 23. So, where do we begin? We left off with Peter's denial oh. and the last look of Jesus to Peter. <laughs> Sweet Peter. Yeah, and Peter runs away. Crying. Yeah. And then we start with Jesus is now being held by the guards, and they're mocking him and beating him and asking him to prophesy, humiliating him. Then they take him before the council, which is happening in, in late at night mm-hmm. with the Sanhedrin. And uh, they're trying to get the two-witness rule on him mm-hmm. to be able to take him... Uh, before Pilate, who's in Jerusalem at the time. And uh, they ask him, if you are the Christ, tell us. Mm -hmm. But he says, if I tell you, you will not believe me. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. And then they ask, are you the Son of God then? He says, you say that I am. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty great. He says, you say, and that happens in each scene. Uh-huh. It's an interesting phrase where Jesus just says, you just said it. Mm-hmm. Or he straight up says, what do you believe? Mm-hmm. And a couple things come to mind. You know, I think people have read that in the past and said, oh, look, Jesus never said he was God. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. His, all of his works, he said he's God plenty. Mm-hmm. We've read that. But he's talking to people who are not interested. He's questioning them. What do you say? Mm-hmm. Because uh, this moment is not about justice. It's not about getting real information. You're trying to trick me to kill me. And so in his humanity and his divinity, Jesus is like, what are you saying? Mm-hmm. Are you, look, if you, if you think that I'm a king, then you probably have to kill me. Right. And they didn't want to say he was a king, mm-hmm. but they didn't mind turning him over to be killed. Right. In fact, the irony, too... Is who do you say that I am? They never really confessed, you are the Christ, but their actions did. Mm-hmm. The same way Jesus' actions showed who he really was. Right. And they end up letting an insurrectionist go. So the guy who actually was going to try to take over the king by force, they, re- they give to the people, right? Yeah, Barabbas, yep. And Which is a huge turn of irony. So I, I just thought it was interesting this time for me realizing that Jesus is saying... Um, I'm having Jesus is choosing to have a real conversation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it sounds cryptic to those of us who are trying to make Jesus say what we want him to say mm-hmm. to fix our lives. So Pilate said, mm-hmm. just say the thing, fix my life, say you this so I can just kill you yeah. and make everyone happy. You're making it difficult by asking what I think. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I said that, but yeah. I don't know. And then Herod just wanted to see some tricks. Well, know? yeah, so in this one, this is one of the, I think, only accounts that we get this side of it so Pilate is like I can't find anything wrong with them right and then he finds out that he's a Galilean and he's like oh good oh good because Pilate's jurisdiction is over Judea and not over Galilee and Herod is also in the city for Passover because again this is a politically tense time so all the rulers of the area anyone who was over Jewish uh any Jewish people they would come to the Jerusalem to make sure that they're People, we're going to stay in line and not try to overthrow some things. Right. Um, and so he finds out, oh, you're Galilean? 
perfect. I'm going to send you to Herod. So he sends him to Herod, and Herod had been hearing about Jesus, and he had been worried that it was John the Baptist coming right. back to life. So he's like... <laughs> oh, phew, it's he's not like, John. Yeah, he sees him, he's kind of glad it's not John. Now do a trick. Now, oh, I've heard some great things from you. And, and Jesus says nothing to yeah, Herod. He's just absolutely quiet. He's absolutely quiet. So then... Herod has, what does he have him, beat him up again? Yeah. And then sends him back to Pilate because he's like, I don't know what to do with him. And it says Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that day. I think, too, because they're both, what I was thinking, Yeah. they were both kind of like, these people, like, they're, they're so crazy. Like, I don't understand what they want. Like, do you understand what they want? No, I don't understand what they want. And you gotta... And you kind of bond over, You like, gotta inject, though, the reality of racism. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're the superior Romans. Yeah. Or you're at least aligned with them. Mm-hmm. These people are the dirty agricultural workers. Yes. And so they're nothing but annoying. And so it's easy to bond when you have a common mm-hmm. annoyance, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I... It's pretty amazing that they find nothing with him, and then they just mock him. And the, the it's the same mockery today. Mm-hmm. Oh, if Jesus is love, save yourself. Do it. Do a thing to save yourself because right. they don't understand. It's about saving the world. It's not about just getting a candy bar right now for myself. It's about feeding the world. And so I can't just. I'm not going to use my power to produce something for myself. And it goes back to Satan's temptation, like turn this the rocks into bread. Right. Send the angels to catch you. Uh, just worship me and I'll give you everything. And that's what everybody's always asking of Jesus. And even we are at times too. Like, get me out of this mess that I got myself into. Do a magic trick. Uh, I don't really want to know you or who you are or your mm-hmm. power. I just want you to do something for me. And that's why Jesus is very silent to a lot of us. Mm-hmm. You're praying. You don't feel anything. You don't hear anything. The word of God makes no sense. You need to take a second to go, God, give me ears, forgive me. I haven't loved you with my whole heart, my mind, my soul. I'm using you. I'm using your name in vain, actually. Mm-hmm. Wow, preaching to myself. So Pilate tries to release him, but then they demand that he releases Barabbas instead. Yeah. Uh, and so then Pilate's like, fine, whatever. I, I, I'll give him over to you, and we'll, we'll crucify him. We'll hang him for insurrection. And we've made some great political friends. Yeah. All right. Let's have a drink. And so, meanwhile, Pilate's like, okay, he goes back out to the people. Are you sure you want to do this? Yeah, yeah. And all the people. And again, when it says all the people. The leadership. Yeah. I, we don't want you to think that it's all the sweet people who have been healed by Jesus no. now. I used to think that as a, like, younger. I was like, man, how did all the people all of a sudden turn on him? It's not. It's the leadership. These are the elite people yeah. on Capitol Hill. They're the ones protecting their power. Mm-hmm. The common people are out there not knowing what's going on, only subject to whatever they hear um and so it's these people who are like crucify him we would rather have this insurrection this guy who's (laughs) this guy's in trouble for insurrection and murder yeah and Pilate has no what's it called when you're like commitment to truth or to anything like he has he's so unanchored and has no root system Mm -hmm. as a person that he'll just release somebody who's a threat to him to keep the the leadership of these masses in line. Yeah. It's like, oh, the webs we weave. Yeah, he's like, ugh, this is just easier than having a, a mini rebellion. So as he's going away, he... <laughs> okay, so laid on him the cross to carry it. Uh, this is where Simon of Cyrene, mm-hmm. he's carrying the cross. 
behind Jesus. Jesus is all beat up. Yeah. And I think this is only found in Luke, right? They followed, a lot of people followed him. So people were horrified and they were mourning and lamenting. And Jesus says something really kind of cryptic to them. Daughters of Jerusalem. He's talking to the women. Yeah. Because the women are there. The women don't, the women are anchored, man. The women are, have deep root systems and like. They're not afraid but to I, show up. I think it's because women are smart and strong, but it's mostly because women are completely marginalized and he is their only hope. They mm-hmm. recognize, I have no shot of political power in this system. In this system, yeah. You are our hope. And he says, don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, blessed are the barren. Anyway, he goes on to say, um, if they're doing this while the shoot is green, like I'm a new thing, mm-hmm. how much more when it's dried and older? Like the older this gets, the more they're going to brutalize you. You're right. And he's basically foretelling that, yeah, things are going to get real bad. Yeah. And they killed this me. city is going to fall. So, so imagine, okay, so here I am as Jesus. He's weak. I mean, he's like, do not weep for me. Yeah. He's like, oh, even in his suffering, he's thinking, see, again, he's thinking of their future mm-hmm. because that's what he's the God of. And that's what no other God can do. Right. He's thinking of their future. He should be weeping. He's like, don't weep for me. I'm mm-hmm. accomplishing something great, but it's going to come at a big price, suffering. Yeah. And I'm weep for yourselves because you're not going to have even the miraculous signs to accompany you like I have. You don't have everything. You're going to be getting everything mm-hmm. I have. But it's going to work itself out. And, I mean, he's saying, like, if they're willing to do this to me and I'm innocent, what more are they going to do to you guys when you rebel against yeah. the Romans yeah. in uh, the coming years? And then, then it moves into a beautiful... I, I love this section because it's only found in Luke, the two criminals. So, first of all, Jesus is put up, hung on a tree like a, a king, right? right? An insurrectionist just, king that yeah. Joshua is killing. He's yeah. hung on a tree... At the place of the skull, which is called Golgotha, which is the same root word for Gilgal, which God rolled away the reproach of the Israelites. That's right. And so here we have the scene at at Golgotha where God is rolling away the reproach of the world. And so he's... Just let that sink in. Then um, he's between two criminals, like a Mm -hmm. common criminal. One on his right, one on his left. And he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we read that as his murders. Maybe he's talking, that's the beauty of Jesus, right? He's yeah. talking to those criminals. Yeah. He's offering forgiveness to those criminals on yeah. either side. Forgive them. And to the people who are killing him, mocking him, rejecting him. Um, that I could spend an hour on that. Mm-hmm. But that's the, all I need to say on that is that's the heart of our Lord, and that's the heart he gives us. Mm-hmm. So in our journeys, we are becoming the kind of people who can say to our tormentors and our enemies, Father, forgive them. They just don't know. Right. Which is really cool and hopeful. So they're casting lots, fulfilling the Psalms and all the prophecies about casting lots. To divide his clothes. Yep. They scoffed him. He saved others, saved himself. Um, And then, oh, well, I was going to skip over it, but the king of the Jews was the inscription over him. So ultimately, Pilate and those guys allow him, because they disassociate so much with Mm -hmm. the Jews. Right. They feel like that's even a mockery. Like, you know what? He is a king yeah. to you guys. He's your king, and this is what we do to your king. king. Yeah. Wow. And so that's why it's, they put it over, and that's why the Jews are like, he's not our king. No, no. Like, 
they're trying to get rid of the heat. Mm-hmm. That's why they're killing Jesus, because mm-hmm. you're going to bring scorn on us, and we don't think you're really the guy. Mm-hmm. And then in the end, Rome says he is a king. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. It's like they're losing every battle. <laughs> Jesus is winning, but it looks like he's losing. And then you got one guy saying, save yourself. He's doing the old thing, mm-hmm. the one criminal. And the other criminal then has like what we would consider the smallest amount of faith possible. Yeah. And he just says, no, I think... What does he say? He says, do not fear, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation and indeed just, and we indeed justly for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Boom. And then he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Boom. I mean, that's it. Like Jesus settles up to us in our moment of disgrace and shame in the punishment we deserve, Mm -hmm. death on a cross. And we simply say, Will you remember me? And that is enough to secure and give you assurance of salvation. If you can say that in your heart, if you can say that in your mind, I don't care how you say it. I don't even care what you're feeling when you say it. If you have enough sense to go, Jesus, remember me. Mm -hmm. When you come into your kingdom, Jesus says some really powerful words. I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Like we're both going to die today, but your story is not over, bro. Mm. And so he spent a whole life being a criminal, not knowing, and then at the end just says, remember me. <laughs> That's yeah. great assurance to me. Right. So then Jesus, uh, the sixth hour comes and we see God messing with the, uh, the sun mm-hmm. again. So at this point, though, it shouldn't be a shock to us. We've already seen the sun messed with two times in mm-hmm. our readings through Joshua. And, uh, and then Jesus calls out with a loud voice. I know you've always liked this. The fact that Jesus is dying, but he still has strength to scream. Yeah. And what that says to me is he is laying down his life. Mm -hmm. If it's taken from you, you're slowly, most of us die slowly losing all of our strength, slowly Mm -hmm. being snuffed out, not by choice, um, but because sin reigns in this world and it creates death. But he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He screams it. And then he breathes his last. He makes the choice. He's laying down his life. Mm -hmm. I mean, you want to talk about free will and choice? Man, let's talk about the free will and choice of Jesus. He has made all these choices. He could have gotten himself out of this in a hundred ways, but he's done it for that one guy on the cross. And though he, we, he didn't even know, well, maybe he did. We didn't even know our own names. He's on that cross dying for Matt and for Adam and for anybody who says, remember me. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then the centurion says, well, he, this man was truly uh, innocent. I know. And everybody, though, is sick to their stomachs. That's what I liked about... Um, Luke, he says, all the people who are there for the spectacle, so there are people, it's like something to do. It's a matinee. Mm-hmm. Let's go watch the guys being crucified. Ha ha, whatever. And it's all kind of, you're all commiserating mm-hmm. together and you have a kind of a common enemy. And they, when this happened, they were beating their breasts and they felt awful about it. Mm-hmm. I just kind of like that little detail. Like they didn't go away going, good. They were, everyone's like, Oh, this was wrong. This feels wrong. Yeah. This doesn't feel like other crucifixions. And then we get uh, oh, Arimathea. Joseph, who was a member of the council, and he did yeah. not agree with what they had done. Yes. And so he comes and asks Pilate for the body of Jesus, and which is a pretty bold move. This is huge. But he, so the cool thing though, thinking about it is Jesus is hung on a tree, cursed, but he's taken down before evening. Because the Passover, yes. And Sabbath, yes. So he's still removed from 
the the tree before the evening, before he puts a curse on the land, and is buried in a tomb. And then I was thinking about this from a legal perspective. Mm-hmm. So if anybody historically wants to dispute the death of Christ mm-hmm. and his resurrection, you have to go through a guy who is on the Supreme Court. Right. He's in the club of the legal system. He's a, a lawyer. He knows what's going on. That's why he's even moved to do this. But he has to go to Pilate, and Pilate has to say he's truly dead. Yeah. See, people have tried to come up with concepts oh, like, really dead, you know, yeah, yeah like you, you squash a bug and then it still yeah. runs. Yeah. Pilate's going to make sure this guy's dead. He's not yeah. going to be like, oh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. No. Oh, he's not dead. He's truly dead on the authority of military guys, of leaders. Like in a court of law, mm-hmm. Joseph Arimathea would not only be well-respected, he would be, well, he would be uh, an authority. And he's saying the guy's dead may I please have his body, mm-hmm. and puts his name on the line to verify the death of Jesus Christ. Right. And so he uh, somehow, he must have been a guy of great influence to get the permission to do that, because why would Pilate or any leader, knowing all that's going on around Jesus, give up the body? Uh, I know why. Oh, man, he's dead. You can't do anything yeah, when you're dead. Yeah. So Pilate believed and knew this guy's dead. And, uh, and then Joseph of Arimathea has it's good to see too there were see it's way more complicated than we think like they're all bad they're all mm-hmm. good there were good guys in the leadership yeah. that were just overwhelmed by the majority right he steps up with faith he could have been attached to the insurrectionist but instead he's remembered as someone who uh, loved jesus and gave his his tomb mm-hmm. yeah so he gives up his family tomb to jesus yeah. And then, uh, again, we see the women who had come with him from Galilee followed Joseph and the body of Jesus to see where he was buried, and they began preparing the fragrant spices and herbs to anoint the body. Yeah. Everybody agrees. Jesus actually died. Yeah. And that's where we end. Whoa. I mean, Pilate himself testifies to the death of Jesus Christ. I'm just thankful. I mean, I. you know what? Right now, everyone just say, Jesus, remember me in your kingdom. And hear the voice of Jesus saying, truly you will be with me in paradise one day. Mm-hmm. Not today. Lord willing. Mm-hmm. So today we're going to read Psalm 51, verse 1 through 9. This is a psalm of David after Nathan the prophet had confronted him about his sin with Bathsheba. Wow, heavy stuff. And this is our psalm when we approach the cross of Christ. Hmm. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth, in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. 
Well, go in peace and serve the Lord. It's been fun talking. We'll talk to you next time.